Welcome back to In the Queue, film conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Andrew. And anytime a new Park Chan-wook film is coming out is a good time for me. Ah, yes. Uh, this is Phil, your other co-host. And as I alluded in a previous episode, this is my first Park Chan-wook experience. Yeah. And while it's not the sole focus of the film... You can't help but ignore the incredibly erotic sex scenes in this movie. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's actually something of a departure for him. He he hasn't been known for his eroticism. Well, um, he's, he certainly directed it with a lot of confidence, I must say. Certainly. Certainly. And he, he he's been primarily known for his sort of ultraviolence in his films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get into all of that in just a moment. Before we do, I want to tell you all how you can find us on the web. You can go to our website, which is www.in-the-q, that's the letter q.com. We post all of our episodes there, and you can uh, check them out, and you can comment on them. You can even leave comments as to films that you would like to hear us talk about on the podcast. And then we'll mm-hmm. have you on the podcast, and we'll talk to you about said films. Indeed, and engage uh, you in the discussion. We will engage you in the discussion. Uh, it's one of our favorite things to do, so please do it. You can do it there, or you can do it on our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by searching for In the Queue, Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And if you like our page, we'll start showing up in your feed. You can leave comments there. You can uh, get the benefit of our wonderful additions to your news feed. Mm. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter by searching for at ITQ Podcast. That uh, that's our Twitter handle. Uh, you can also find us by searching any of your podcast aggregating apps or iTunes for In the Q Q U E U E Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil, and you can subscribe to our podcast and get every single episode delivered straight to you. Couldn't be better. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about The Handmaiden, Park Chan Wook's new film. Uh, this is. Uh, getting a lot of attention. Um, mm. There's a lot of talk that it may be nominated for the Best Foreign Film Oscar uh, at this year's Oscars, which would be very... Was it, nom- was it nominated for a Golden Globe? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, for Best Foreign Film? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, of course, with the Oscars being significantly different than the Golden Globes, there are other opportunities for this to pick up nominations for things like Costume design, production design, cinematography, mm-hmm. uh, music. There's all kinds of places where this, I think, would be very deserving of uh, an Oscar nomination at the very least. Uh, but it is, uh, it's the latest film from Park Chan-wook. Uh, he is known probably best in the States for his film Old Boy, which was remade a couple of years back by Spike Lee. Uh, but mm-hmm. the original Old Boy uh, has a, a very strong reputation, especially in the sort of geek culture, uh, because it, it kind of came over on a wave of really graphic and very uh, challenging uh, Southeast Asian cinema in the mm-hmm. early to mid-2000s. Uh, and that has persisted, um, even though the home video market has kind of died. And I think that that's uh, taken a little Mm. bit of the fun out of the discovery for, for, you know, the general populace, but the films are still coming and they're still great. 
Uh, this film is no exception. I'm tipping my hat maybe a little bit too early here. <laughs> uh, yeah, this film is a fascinating movie. Um, it's going to be difficult for me to describe all of the intricacies of it. Right. Uh, it, it's a very intricate movie. It's a long film, and there's is. definitely a lot going on. Um, I just want to add, it, it was actually not nominated for Golden Globe, but it's oh. been racking up a lot of other awards, best uh, best foreign language film prizes from various uh, film critics circles throughout yeah, the country. Yeah, that's where I saw like, it. Like lots of places, New that's York, you know, Utah, L.A. It's it's been uh, winning a lot of those prizes. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 a prestige picture, definitely. It's in the conversation at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the plot revolves around a woman who is hired to be a handmaiden to a Japanese heiress. This takes place in the late 1800s. The 30s. Oh, the, oh yeah, you're right. It's in the early ni- 1900s. It's in the 30s. Yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah. And uh, the there is a uh, a very sort of contentious relationship with, between Japan and Korea at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there is occupied land, um, and Japan is the occupier. Uh, so this Korean woman is hired by a Japanese heiress to be her handmaiden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there is a, oh man, how do I even explain this movie? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there's a, she's. There's an alt- there's like an ulterior motive though. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I, but that it doesn't reveal itself right away. But we know that she, all is not what it seems. Uh, there are a couple of men, uh, prominent men in the in the plot as well. Uh, one of whom is a a suitor for the Japanese heiress uh, who has come to woo her. Uh, but it quickly becomes clear that they're the handmaiden and the suitor may have a little bit more to them than just simply playing those roles. Uh, more than meets the eye, if you will. More than meets the eye. And intrigue starts to stack upon intrigue, and pretty soon nobody knows which way is up. Everybody's double-crossing each other. Uh, there are a lot of feints by the film to kind of... <laughs> make you believe one thing is happening when something else entirely is happening. And it's a, it's a really fascinating, it's a fascinatingly plotted film. Uh, it's based actually on a novel called Fingersmith, which is uh-huh. I believe a, a, an English novel. Right. Right. Um, and apparently there's a BBC adaptation of that. I believe that's supposed to be quite good. I wonder if it's, as explicit as The Handmaiden. I would imagine probably not. Not if it was on BBC television. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's probably a lot of stuffed shirts and, you know, very... Um, maybe it was BBC After Dark. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> the BBC version of Cinemax. Uh, yeah. So, uh, if if you're, you as the listener are frustrated because I haven't been able to explain it that well... Uh, a large part of that is because I don't really want to spoil a lot of the fun of this film for you. Mm-hmm. And the, a lot yeah. of the fun of the film is finding out what happens and what the relationships are between the characters and uh, how they really relate to one another. 
And my takeaway yeah. from The Handmaiden, uh, just kind of on the most basic level, was just how freaking elegant this movie is. Oh, man. I mean, it's, oh, man. it's so classy. The way it is made, the way yeah. Park Chan-wook directs everything. Yeah. Um, he definitely makes a lot of room for the production design to shine. Sure. Um, he, he shoots the film with a lot of wide master shots in all these various settings. And, and he choreographs the action um, across the frame, really, very cinematically. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know if this is particular to his style or if it's just this movie or what, but the film has a very consistent tone. The way he approaches all manner of incidents in the film is exactly the same. <laughs> uh, whether the incident is extremely grotesque, extremely sensual, banal, whatever it is, it all has the same treatment. And I, I found it to be where I was, we were talking about palette in our last episode yeah, yeah. of the show. I found it to be, I wanted a little bit more breakup in, in the handmaiden, whether, whether it was with the editing or the direction, it was just very much kind of like, uh, some would say consistent, sure. but I would say a little kind of monotone in the way it handled all the subject matter. There was not a lot in the way that kind of jarred me in a good way. It, it just kind of like was very kind of presentational and it, and it lasted for two and a half hours and it was kind of a similar sort of a, a feel throughout the whole thing, no matter what the, the subject matter was. May I bring a counterpoint to that? <laughs> oh, please. Well, here's what I think. Uh, yes, that is... That is fairly Park Chan-wook. Uh, I mean, like, the, the 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 flat presentation across the film. I mean, he, he tends to be... Um, <clears throat> he tends to let the characters, you know, to their fates, essentially. Uh-huh. There's, there's a certain amount of observational nature to uh, Park Chan-wook, even though everything is very elegantly constructed and very meticulously storyboarded, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, very... Every shot has purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that part of the reason that you may feel that way, and you can tell me if this is not the case, is mm-hmm. that the film deals with perspective, right? There's a bit of a Rashomon feel to it. There are people telling stories, and we're seeing the same story from different angles and different representations of the same events. And by not taking a side per se or, or not, uh, the detachment was the feeling that I got. Yeah. By detaching oneself from the, the goings on, I feel like he's more able to just present the, the intrigue. I, I feel like, um, if he got us, if he got too wrapped up and, and sided with one character or the other, uh, we may have felt betrayed or lied to or although, I mean, to some extent you feel that way anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also contend that I think that the treatment of the subject matter it actually differs pretty substantially based on whose perspective we're seeing it from. 
Um, I'm going to use it as, as an example. And this isn't spoiling anything necessarily, but for the first part of the film, you see it from the Japanese heiress's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, essentially. Or, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's pretty subjectively her experience. Then in the next section of the film, we see it from the handmaiden's perspective. And uh, when we see the same events happen in each of those segments, they happen in a very different way. In that first segment things tend to be much more sensual much more um tactile much more new and Mm -hmm. surprising and maybe it's because we're seeing the events for the first time but i think that it's also treated that way by uh park chan wook especially in the sound design in the uh cinematography in the lingering on body parts or mm-hmm. fingers touching flesh or the undoing of garments. Uh, it's all very sensual and very new. And in the second time, when we see all these things happen, there's a bit more of a mechanical nature to it. Uh-huh. There's a bit more of a, uh, I don't know how to say this it, is, but, this is where the Rashomon perspective is coming into play. Yes, exactly. Saying. Yeah, we're seeing because yeah, we're, we're seeing the the same events from a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I can I can respect that, and I'm sh- I'm sure that based on what I've seen already, Park Chan Wook is a very intelligent director and would know how to adjust for whatever material he was covering. Um, it's it just struck me as like he has this masterful distance from everything. And it, it, it's the kind of approach that I would expect from somebody like Woody Allen or mm. Martin Scorsese, who in their seventies have a kind of detachment and are able to orchestrate a comedy of errors with a, with a, a large cast where every person plays a major role. Sure. And rather than just, burying yourself in the perspective of one major character like the way Scorsese did with Taxi Driver when when Scorsese was in his 30s but like uh Wolf of Wall Street or um Blue Jasmine well these are different films from each other and from mm-hmm. The Handmaiden they all they all have in common the ability to juggle um a comedy or tragedy of errors where various sure. people come in and out of the picture yeah, yeah, definitely. And and he's not too far behind those guys. I mean, I think he's 53 or 54 years old. Um, so he's Well, not, that's, you know, 20 years, 20 I know. difference. And 20 years in 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 film generations is is pretty substantial. Yeah. Uh but he's made a number of films. I mean, he's made almost all of his films in Korea, including this mm-hmm. one. Uh with only one exception and that was Stoker, which was a very interesting, but ultimately, I think, uh, certainly commercially unsuccessful film. And I think in some ways, just unsuccessful film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only I heard that, uh, that, that Spike Lee is remaking it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, no offense to Spike Lee, but that was not in his wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, so... This film, uh, to me, is, as you were saying, Phil, executed with such confidence 
and mm-hmm. such uh, unflinching, you know, assuredness. Yeah, uh, and especially with the, with the intricacy of the plot and the and the how easy it is to sort of get lost in what's happening, uh, he trusts us, the audience, to catch up to him almost. I mean, he moves at a at a almost a breakneck pace, even though it's a two and a half hour movie. Information is constantly being added to the mix, and it, it took me in, until the third act. And I suppose this was by design, but it took me well into the third act to really sort of wrap my mind around what was happening in the mm-hmm. film. And it was very satisfying for that. Um, even though some of the resolutions of the film, I, I would, you know, as a, you know, American moviegoer, I guess, I, or moviegoer in general, maybe, I, I wanted to see a, a little bit more satisfying resolution, especially for a couple of the more wicked characters in the film. Right, yeah. Uh, but it really wasn't their story. So yeah. I, you know, it didn't, <laughs> that that was just my desire. And, and I wasn't, you know, upset with the film for, for not feeding my, my sadistic <laughs> desire for uh, <laughs> do, do you, revenge. Do you feel like you were fed that desire in his other films? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean his other films, but but the subjects of his other films. I mean, with a couple of exceptions, Park Chan Wook's films have been extraordinarily uh, pessimistic, depressing, uh, uh-huh. very uh, intense experiences, and which I love. I love all those things. <laughs> so so you know I, I'm right at home watching his films. But, uh, yeah, he, 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 he delivers, uh, the people, people tend to get their just desserts. Let's say that. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Well, that also happens in Woody Allen and oh, true, Martin true. Scorsese movies too. And Hitchcock and. <laughs> yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know, like whether it's a, a tragic comedy or, or just a tragedy or just a comedy, like. When you when you see a movie that by a masterful director, and you you witness people suffer the consequences of their actions, um, it's satisfying. And when you kind of when you see them for their folly, when you see them for their deceit, you also want to have the satisfaction of their of witnessing their undoing at their yeah, own yeah, sure. actions. And and if that if the the movie seems like it's going to set you up for that, if it if it paints a clear picture of all their wrongdoing, but doesn't deliver that comeuppance that you're craving, it can be a little unsatisfying. Or it can be immensely satisfying. I, I mean, you mentioned Woody Allen, and I think immediately of Crimes and Misdemeanors or Match Point, both of uh-huh. which are not particularly satisfying in the traditional sense at the end. Right. Right, definitely, with especially with Match Point. Especially but with like, Match Point. <laughs> I had mentioned Blue Jasmine, and yeah, yeah. one of my favorite scenes, if not my favorite scene in Blue Jasmine, is when Alec Baldwin's character is arrested um, for for the the scam that he was running, and it happens in such a matter of fact way, and, and he tries to to deny, he tries to be incredulous as to like, I don't, why am I being arrested? I haven't yeah. done anything wrong. Yeah, but it, you do in fact know that he does deserve it. But yeah, that's it's a good point though that you mentioned not. 
not everywhere in the cinema of Woody Allen do people get their just desserts. No. Just as in the cinema of any other director, for that matter. Sure. Except for Frank Capra. <laughs> it's also true that in Hitchcock, though, the, the murderer always always gets caught. Yeah, that, it, that it's is It's true. true, isn't it? Yeah. I can't think of a Hitchcock film. Well, yeah. But not yeah, necessarily before gets... he, do, he does damage. I mean, Psycho, yeah. of course, is famous for, you know, knocking off the lead halfway through the movie. But for him, it was ultimately about entertainment at the very end. You oh, know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only a, sure. it's only a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I think that one of the things that is great about Park Chan-wook is that he is such a supreme stylist, but so keen on entertaining. Uh, I mean, his films, depressing and sadistic and ultra violent as they tend to be. And this one actually is not that the I should say for those who are listening, uh, mm-hmm. this film is actually has very little violence in it at all. Um, yeah, and the <laughs> it, it's it, as as Phil said, it's much more sensual. It's much more erotic. And, oh yes, and that's a, a bit of a departure for Park Chan Wook, and uh, but he handles it with just as much aplomb as he would the sort of ultra violence of his his previous films. But at the end of the day, he is also a he's he's an entertainer. He gives you entertaining, multi-layered, twisting, turning plots that with with very interesting characters that you care about mm-hmm. that uh, and you care about what happens to them uh, <laughs> so that when he might pull the rug out from under you or he might uh, make you th- think one way and then make you change your mind about the thing that you were just thinking. It's always, for me, it's always uh, gleeful. It's always delightful to have Mm -hmm. him do that. And I think that that means that you're in the hands of a a master storyteller when you just, even if the, the twist that he's, you know, of the knife is a horrible twist of the knife, you're still in awe of, how you the got p- there. the pain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I totally agree that he's he's a master at his craft. I mean, he's uh, you can just watching the film. Whenever I watch a movie with subtitles, uh, I as maybe with you, the listener can relate to this. You're you're in reading mode as well as in visual mode. It's different from when you're just watching a film that doesn't have subtitles. You're 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 processing the images differently because your your mind is engaged to be reading text at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So um, so you can you can kind of see how it's put together, and I I also see how it's put together, just like Andrew does, I'm sure, because we both went to film school and lost our innocence of how to watch a film <laughs> nerds. So we, That's what we, are. we see, we see how the films are made. We see edits. It still blows my mind, but some people don't see edits. Yeah. Yeah. But some, but, but we do. And I was just observing how, how every shot was seemed to have a beginning, middle and an end. Yeah. Which is, you know, it just shows that in some parts of the world, people still care about the cinema because, he he planned everything out so carefully, one shot leading into the next and into the next, 
and into the next, and never going back to a previous shot, it seemed. There wasn't much in the way of coverage, as they call it. Yeah, there it. was almost no uh, shot, reverse shot. And that's that's yeah. typical of him, too. Yeah, and it's just so planned out and so well orchestrated that uh, it was it was kind of cool to behold. Um, but maybe maybe that is what kept me from uh, getting lost in the stories because I was getting lost in his technique. <laughs> Which is understandable. I mean, it, it's formidable technique. And he has a sense of forward momentum in the direction uh, that 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 sort of compulsion not to return to the same shot over and mm-hmm. over again unless he's giving us a callback from much earlier in the film uh, and letting us know that we're about to engage with something that we engaged with earlier in the film or see something that we saw earlier in right. the film but from a different perspective. He'll go to back to shots for that kind of purpose. But that kind of forward momentum, that forward energy that he has um, uh, keeps you invested throughout. You know, it keeps you... Uh, it keeps the visual variety such that you're never not interested in what's happening on screen. Yeah. And he's engaged with the directing Yeah, and that makes it possible and therefore more likely that the viewer will be engaged with the visuals as well. So I I definitely am, am wanting to see more. I've been meaning to see old boy for quite a while. Oh yeah. Uh, That's probably going to be my, my first next pick from Park Chan-wook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just want to say it's it's a little bit harder to talk about this sort of thing just based on the fact that uh, it is a, a foreign film. It's a South Korean film. Uh, but his actors are consistently great in his films. Uh, he gets un- incredible performances out of his actors. And I think that all of the performances in this movie, every single role is by someone who is... Who, who turns in a great performance. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, in fact, very hard to believe even that Tae-ri Kim, who plays the handmaiden, the titular character, right? this was her first feature-length film. And it, it's it's almost mind-blowing <laughs> to, to see yeah. this kind of confidence from, from someone who, uh, who hasn't done it before. Right. Um, well, she's also well cast, though, because she oh, does yeah. have that naivete, uh, the yes. inexperience of the new handmaiden. Yeah, yeah. But across the board, um, really great performances. He always gets great performances out of his actors, and uh, and this is no exception. Yeah, and that's another example of why he's good, because, yeah, it's one thing to be able to have a mastery of the technical craft of, of yeah. shots, composition, and editing, but... It almost requires the opposite personality trait to be good with actors. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true, and so, and you, most great, truly great directors are the ones who can marry those two things. Yep, yep, and that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is our podcast on the Handmaiden, uh, the new film by Park Chan-wook. Uh, I give it an enthusiastic thumbs up. I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year, actually. And uh, you may hear more from me about this movie in one of our upcoming episodes when we talk about our best films of the year 2016. 
Yeah. Well, I'd be really curious to see. I mean, you you're dropping some salacious hints here. I know. Uh, is it going to end up in your top ten? It is might. It gonna be an, is it going to be one of your twenty five bazillion honorable <laughs> mentions this year? <laughs> I always have a lot of trouble with our top ten list at the end of the year, or top eight as we've done the last couple of years. Right. Um, um, yeah. Well. Yeah, I, I, I don't, it's probably not going to end up on mine, spoiler alert, but uh, <laughs> I, I did enjoy it, and I look forward to seeing more works from Park Chan-wook. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so thank you for listening, listeners, and please join us for our next episode when we will be talking about the new film Hidden Figures. Uh, it's been getting a lot of talk, uh, and it's been doing very well at the box office, which has been great as well. Yeah, I know at the um, movie theater where I work, it's been selling out, like... Nice. In the middle of the week. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm excited to see it. Uh, I think it had a great uh, trailer. Uh, ever since I saw the first one, I've been excited to see it. So uh, we're going to see that this weekend, and we will uh, talk to you about it next week. Thanks for listening. See you then.